And when you go to calls time and time again and people expect you to be a robot, to not show any emotions, mm-hmm. at times, you know, you do become upset at a call because you've seen it over and over again and it bothers you. Welcome back to the ICYA Raw Podcast. This is John Jansen. And this is Andrew Braun. And this is episode five. We made it through the first few weeks of our podcast experiment and uh, responses have been good. We've been getting some five-star reviews yeah. on Apple. I'm sure we'll just get nothing but five stars all the way through. That's right. Everyone's going to agree with everything we say. Now, someone like my sister or something is going to go do a one-star just because we That's said right. that. That's yeah. right. It's probably what's going to happen. We actually really do appreciate the um, feedback that we get. Some people have been sending us emails just because they know us and talking about the podcast. But we would invite anyone, whether you know us or not, to send us uh, some feedback. What's the email? It is raw, so R-A-W at I-C-Y-A dot C-A. Yeah, because we want to hear from you and we want to, we're going to read some of those letters. Actually, in this day and age, your letter to us could be a review. I know that if you review our podcast on Apple or Spotify or whatever, that always helps get it uh, higher up in the ratings so that people more far and wide will start to listen to it so that's actually really helpful so if you would go on whatever site you're listening on and uh, just leave a little bit of feedback a sentence or two um, maybe we'll read some of those on the air if appropriate mm-hmm. and it helps us too figuring out how we do this and maybe even if un- inappropriate yeah maybe we'll see how who raw knows? how raw are we going to get how raw we might have some beeps but who knows <laughs> today might be well today is we're starting into a little bit um, more rawness actually mm-hmm. there's been some the of the podcasts already yeah some of the podcasts already have been um, like the Melvina one people have said that's a hard podcast to listen to but all hopeful and beautiful we've been talking a lot of gang involved gang related issues because that's sort of the water we swim in here mm-hmm but uh, in the next two weeks, what's coming? It's uh, We almost have polar opposites. Uh, who's going to be today and then who's going to be next week? It's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, not necessarily polar opposites, but definitely people who have a different perspective. One of the, the main core values that I would say that's it's central to everything we do at ICYA is that you don't have to exactly agree in order to walk together and have Wait a Wait a second. That's... I know it's 2020. You can't do that. It's not something you'll hear just anywhere. But we kind of think that if you don't exactly agree with what we think, we'll still talk to you. Yeah, and still engage with you. We might even be good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, because to us, uh, the only way to have a community that functions is to be able to um, talk things through. And that means sometimes you have really, really harsh Disagreements, but you can learn to um, listen to each other in spite of all that. Any good family does this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a healthy family does that. Yeah. So this week we have Lawrence Latander, who is um, indigenous and he is an RCMP officer. And so he is living through a time when there's plenty of hostility to the police from often indigenous uh, people or marginalized groups who have often plenty of good reasons to be upset. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
yeah, and he he comes with a ton of experience. Uh, it's a good conversation they have today, uh, where we get to kind of dive into his perspectives a little bit more. Yeah, because he sees things from the inside mm-hmm. and from the other side, mm-hmm. and uh, it's going to be interesting because next week. We have a podcast with, uh, we had a talk just yesterday, we recorded it, with the First Nations Indigenous Warriors, who are pretty plain about saying, oh, we have some real issues with the police, and um, mm-hmm. we kind of butt heads sometimes. Yeah. And so here, this is an example of one of our deepest values, is this week we talked to uh, someone who tends to one side of the issue, and next week we're going to talk to someone who tends to the other side of the issue. That's right. Yeah, and get to hear both of those perspectives and see what they bring, and hopefully we can all learn together. Yeah, because that's even a value on staff, quite frankly. Like, mm-hmm. we have a staff that has... Um, fairly divergent viewpoints at times. Yeah. But the belief around here is that um, if we say we are followers of Christ, then the, our, our, our identity in Christ is uh, central. And if, that, if we say we have that identity, well, then central to that identity is that we love our enemies and we bless those who curse us and we don't cut off those who don't think like we do mm-hmm. just because they don't think like we do. And we don't always get it right, but we try to walk walk that model that Christ laid out for us. Yeah. The church has a history of not getting it right, but you know what? Um, the church is made up of human beings who also have a very long history of not being real good to each other, <laughs> from what I've heard. I've heard a few things. From a history book or two. So we want to try to listen. We want to try to consider opinions that aren't ours. So today, you're going to hear Lawrence Latander. He's an RCMP officer in Dauphin River. He came down for a long talk with Kent and sounded like this. Lawrence, uh, tell us first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and your story, a little bit of your story. Okay. Uh, well, I, um, I'm originally from Dauphin River, First Nation. And that's where I currently live. Um, I grew up there. Um, I was raised, well, uh, let's see, lived with my mom for a little bit, and then she moved away for schooling. And my grandparents uh, took over and raised me pretty much until uh, I was an adult. Okay. Um, and uh, I came into the city, finished my schooling out here. Um, and then after I was done high school, I pretty much just worked. Uh, I I've always, um, my sort of, I guess, employment era has always been around youth. Um, uh, I started with uh, Anishinaabe Bay Child and Family Services. I was the uh, youth recreation worker. Yeah. Um, I did that for, I think, three years. And then I jumped on with, uh, I think they call it MF NERC, which is Manitoba First Nation Education. Okay. So I did that. I was kind of the computer guy at the at the school. Still stuck with the youth. Yeah. Uh, it was you know for me it's always been youth, and I've always kind of loved that. And um, and then I uh, I met my wife. Um, we met in well we originally met in two thousand five. Um, I was up with my brother. Uh, he was the pastor of of the church back home. And there was four of us that went up to Garden Hill. We flew up there. Okay. And, um, yeah, so we just, we were kind of introduced as husband and wife as a joke. Oh, wow. And I didn't know who she was. Uh, my brother and my sister-in-law were friends with her sister. Almost like an arranged marriage. Sort of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I had no idea who she was. And I was like, oh, okay, hi. You know, we laughed about it. Um, and, uh 
What I didn't know was that she was actually a widow for a year already at that time, right? Okay. And we met, and then we finally met again in 2008. So just curious, what were you doing in Garden Hill? What was the purpose it, it of that was, trip? It was a ministry trip. We were, okay. We were going up there. With and, youth? Like, it was just, kind of it, it was just, a, it was just a, yeah, for the weekend, it was a cool. weekend gathering, just they yeah. were having a church service, they invite us yeah. up there, so nice. we, we went up there, it was just a general community thing, yeah. so, you know, it was, yeah. and uh, we went up there, and um, yeah, so, and then I, I met my wife, uh, well, met her again in 2008, we started seeing each other, and uh, I guess that's where we kind of just clicked, and um, and we um, we lived in this area, actually, we lived on Burroughs, actually, Interesting. Over here, and our uh, our kids uh, came here, and um, and uh, we, uh, I was when we were doing that when you were touring me downstairs. Yeah, you were showing us the hampers, and I remember in the beginning of our relationship, uh, we actually struggled financially. Right. So we used to go down to the church just down the street, and we go and pick up a hamper, a couple hampers, and take it home, and it helped us, you know. Yeah. So I'm always grateful for things like that because you know. You know, we didn't always, we, we had a bit of a rough start. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. Um, and then um, I uh, went to college for a little bit. Um, she worked. I worked. And um, I guess just out of the blue, my uncle asked me, hey, are you interested in the RCMP? I said, yeah. I, I never really put thought into it. I just said, yeah, out of nowhere. He says, okay, uh, I'll meet you with a recruiting officer. Okay. Met him, gave me the papers. I filled out everything. I did all the tests. Um, of course, I passed everything. And then uh, October of 2010, I get a call saying, "Hey, uh, congratulations! You made it into the RCMP Training Academy. You leave uh, November 14th. Wow! Uh, in two weeks. So Stuff I said, okay, got, just got real. It got real. And um, yeah, so then I went into training, finished training. And graduated April uh, 2011 from Training Academy. And uh, yeah, I um, pretty much just has been from there. I've just been working. So so I'm just curious from from kind of hearing that and thinking, eh, yeah, I'll give that a go to where you're at now. Uh, like how how have you moved? Like, do you believe in what you do? Do you do you like how do you feel about what you do? Well, I mean, as a, um, as a, I guess, a member of the RCMP, of course, there's, there's different things that you can do within the RCMP. Uh, for me, uh, I'm, I'm a, a community, or am I, uh, sorry, with the schools, I'm a school liaison officer. And okay. uh, we have the four reserves. We have um, two other schools, so basically six schools that I, you know, I would... I would attend to and uh, do programs. I'm also a, a dare 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 teacher. Okay. Have you ever heard of dare before? Yeah, U.S. initiative. Yeah, uh, it starts around started, drug. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So it's a drug awareness resistance education. It started in Los Angeles in 1992, actually. So um, I did that course in 2012, and uh, yeah, it was a two week course here in Winnipeg. I did that, and I go to the schools and educate kids on you know just drug awareness and. Um, it's interesting, you know, I thought when you were going to start, you said always sort of had an interest in youth. I was thinking the transition from you to RCMP was going to be a departure from that. But if you're in schools, no. it's just carrying on. I, I, I love I love going to the schools. That's the best part about this job is that for me, the reason I go to the schools and the reason I stay around youth and, and just 
uh, focus on that area is because for me growing up, I remember seeing RCMP members come to my community and it gave me something to look forward to. Um, it, it kind of, it kind of, um, kept me on the straight and narrow path, I guess you can say so, so to speak, because it made me want to do something better than doubts and fears. It wanted me to overcome that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I had family members who were dropping out of high school, getting into trouble with the law. And, and, um, you know, for me, I was like, of course, I had the two uncles who were RCMP, one in the 70s and one who was still a member when I was, uh, well, before I got into the process. But when I was younger, mm-hmm. I remember seeing him, you know, in his uniform. And it, it was it was an admiration for me. Yeah. You know. So so what do you think, like when you think about communities that you work in, what do you think youth are, when they look at you in your, in your role, what are they thinking? What, what vibe do you get out there? Well, I mean, a lot of them are like, of course, by now they all know me by name. You know, they, uh, Lawrence, Lawrence, they come up and they hug me and I hug them. And, you know, for them, it's, they're always interested in, you know, of course, they always ask the usual kid question, you know, have you arrested anybody? Yeah. You know, uh, anything like that. And I say, oh, you know, but for me, I, for me, it, it's always like, hey, how are you doing? And I just, I, I want to hit it off one by one with them and just kind of just show them how human and how much of a, a father I am, just, just who I am, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, of course, I mean, a lot of kids, you know, they, you know, they're, they're happy to see me, you know, they're, they, they know me by name and, when I when I go there with other members, um, they're like, "Hey, Lawrence," and they'll come up and hug me. You know, they won't hug the other member because they don't know him, but they know me. They know that, oh, hey, I'll hug you. Come here. Mm-hmm. You know, walk in there and give him a hug, and they're comfortable with me like that. So, tell me, like in terms of policing and relationships, what's the connection? Like, how much, how much uh, sort of value does that carry having a relationship in a community? Well, I mean, you know, having that relationship with the community is is very much important because, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, um, community issues um, and uh, just family matters that may arise and it may affect a certain part of the community, I believe that having that relationship and being able to just, you know, talk to them without always, you know, how would I say it? without always having to say, okay, you know what, I'm the boss here. You know, right. you listen to me. This is, you know, I, I, I really don't like to throw my weight around. That's, that's not what I'm there for. Yeah. For me, it's like, okay, you know what, let, let, let me hear your problems, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is the issue we have. And, you know, like one of the, um, one of the problems is that um, it's that we deal with a lot is meth in the communities that we yeah. have. And, and it's sad. And it, it it is very hard at times uh, because, you know, we do what we could to try and fight the problem, you know, to try and go after the ones that are dealing it. And uh, but the thing is, you can still take a dealer away, but that addiction is still going to be there. And, you know, um, I, from a from a police perspective, you know, there's there's ways of fighting it from a police stand like a, a police point of view. You know, which is, you know, which is, you know, trying to get statements from people, trying to get, you know, drug warrants to kick in doors, things like that. You know, th- those are the those are the challenges that we have as mm-hmm. a detachment. Um, and it's it, it, it's it's pretty hard because for us, it's it's people having fear of speaking up. Let's uh, let's talk maybe a little on snitch culture and 
do you do you find it's difficult to get uh, to get collaboration from a community or how does that work because i know in the north end we talk about you know snitches get stitches mm-hmm. and so sometimes that creates an environment where it's difficult to have a cooperative relationship with police well yeah i mean obviously you know you there's always that um sort of uh how would i say it there's always that sort of um where people kind of they want to say something but they want to pull back most of the time they want to you know they they want to help but they're afraid if they do help what's going to happen to them and it's not so much that they hate police it's that they're just afraid for their lives yeah and for me i always say you know what i I don't want to you know and thing is we always tell people well we don't want to put you in harm's way you know like it's not like you know something's going to happen to them but and we, we know we don't want to force it upon them, but we do urge people to say, hey, look, if you if you are really willing to help fight this and if you know information that could help us, you know, to try and tackle the problem, you know, and if you really want to help us, don't be afraid then, you know, have have that courage to stand up. And, uh, you know, I mean, I've I've done I've done lots of, you know, warrants, drug warrants and things like that. And and, um, you know, it, it is a good feeling to know that when we do go into a house and we do search, we do make arrests and do seizures. There is sort of that relief for the community because there is kind of that ten, like that that tension that just it's kind of released because now they know right. uh, that you know something has been done. But the problem that we have is that people are afraid to talk. And yeah. that's why I believe relationship with communities like policing, you know, just going one on one because, you know, it's 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 kind of awkward when a police officer comes to you and you don't really know them personally. You haven't really spoken yeah, with them. Yeah. And all they know you is that someone who just does business, you know, are, are, are is someone really going to get personal with them? That's why I always like to be one-on-one with people when I'm not working, you know, when I'm not, you know, when I don't always have something to do, like I want to sit down with them. You know, if I'm having lunch somewhere, I'll find find a, some community members and sit down saying, hey, do you mind if I join you? Yeah, sure. And we'll just talk about anything in life. Yeah. You know, it's not that I'm just doing it to set up. I'm just doing it because I love to do that. Yeah. You know? I, I just know that in our community, a number of years back, we had a community foot patrol that was taking place. And to that point about, you know, getting uh, getting good sort of, um, you know, intelligence about what's happening in a community. Uh, those foot patrol officers, they, they told me, you know, we're we're building relationships and those relationships produce results in terms of you know the community in the bo- uh, in the end a community wants the best for their their children and their families right and and when you can uh, when you can trust somebody enough to kind of share what's uh, what's actually happening in the community you can you can make progress and i think the you know now um now some of the policing is it's sort of drive drive by policing in a way I'd say in the north end uh, there are still there's community li- liaison officers but I, I just love that when policing kind of hits the pavement and because then kids will see that's a person that's a real person and uh, and you know that's where you know that's where things can get done so so interesting Lawrence you know when uh, when we talked about about connecting. Uh, timing of this is is uncanny. Um, you're 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 
humanizing yourself, Lawrence. Like you're a real person, right? And and I think right now there's there's uh, there's sort of broad strokes when it comes to police, and we're making we're hearing these general statements about defunding police, the police, and general statements about police brutality. And um, I'm curious, kind of, you know, straight up your take on on the word out there. What's what do you, what's your angle on this? Well, I mean, it's it's such a uh, it's such a broad subject to talk about because yeah. uh, for me, you know, when when all of you know, uh, like e- even before you know like these protests started happening, you know, there's always. I've I've all, I, like I've I've never denied it. Like there is police brutality out there. Like mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it. Like I, I I I can't deny that because that that's the truth. And I'm not gonna lie lie about. It. I'm not gonna hide it. Um, you know there there is there is sort of that you know um, general stigma about police officers that you know how are they gonna treat me? You know mm-hmm. uh, if I make this call, you know um, are they gonna you know what are they going to do to me? And um, I always, whenever I've dealt with people, like whenever I've had to arrest someone, and they're they're really scared, and I say, hey, wait a minute, like you don't have to be afraid. Look, we're just, uh, you know, I tell you what, relax. I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to hurt you. If you're cooperative with me, I, I tell you what. Sometimes I, I I don't even arrest people with handcuffs. I say, just jump in the vehicle, come with me to the office. Mm-hmm. I'll lodge you for a few hours to let you sober up. And that kind of eases the tension. And then all of a sudden, on the way to the detachment, they're just talking to me about anything, and I'm listening. Yeah. And uh, So, okay, curious, though, in in terms of the, the brutality, like, I know this is going to be, you, know, you can't really answer this question, except for in broad strokes, but how pervasive is it? How how wide is it? How how What's the sort of prevalence of it? Oh... <sighs> Well, is I mean, it a huge problem. Is it a nine out of ten? Is it a like? Are are we getting this wrong? Are we getting this right? As we talk about this, well, I mean, it's hard to say because when you see the videos on the internet, when you see them being shared on social media, I mean, really, like if you see it from a, you know, sometimes you'll see videos from like you know Regina Police, RCMP, Calgary, the U.S., you know, and they have all those different police agencies. I mean. In reality, like you see, you've only seen what was on that video, right? But it's not like a whole department itself. And I always say, you know, people say, "Oh, I I, I seen a video of this RCMP, and I seen another one." And there's probably maybe about ten videos of RCMP officers uh, that they on the video they say has has been um, uh, been too rough with a client. Okay, well, those are just ten videos. The RCMP has an organization of twenty thousand. So, in reality, you're seeing four. You're seeing ten members out of an organization of that many. You know. So, can we say that all of the RCMP are, are being rough on people, or Winnipeg Police, Regina Police? Like, you're only seeing a. You're only seeing one video, of one cop, or one video of two cops. That's all you're seeing. So I I can't say that it is a kind of like policing at its worst. Yeah, I, one I, little snapshot. I, I I cannot say that that all of that agency is a terrible police agency. I cannot say that. I mean, there may be several videos. Maybe there is you know we'll just say 150 videos, 200 videos out there on the internet right now. We'll just say that, okay? 
uh, of, and we'll just say two cops per video. So you got 300 police officers in all of North America that have been recorded mm-hmm. doing something wrong. Okay, well, how many cops are in Canada? How many cops are in the U.S.? Yeah. So can we say that all of them are terrible? Can we say that all cops are terrible? I don't think so. It's kind of what we're doing, though. But like it, when you it, look it, at the media, right, that's that's what's happening. Well, you know, the thing is about the media. <laughs> okay, now here we go. Yeah, let's go. Okay, so the media the media <laughs> likes to play with the minds of people. Okay, how, how you show things is how people are going to react. If you constantly focus on a problem, that's all people are going to see. Yeah. So if you focus on police brutality and constantly show different videos, it's, it's, it starts to go into the mind and into the hearts of people. It starts to affect them. And then they start taking, and they start taking those because they play the same videos over and yeah. over again. And what does it generate? It just generates hate. You know, I always remember, um, uh, you know, uh, I always remember what my, what, what one of my, co- like my coach before he, he left the RCMP, like he, he joined Winnipeg Police. He always said, you know what? He said, uh, he says, do the best you could here. He says, be honest with people, uh, you know, and treat them fairly, regardless of whether they're mean to you, whether they're yelling at you, swearing at you, treat them fairly. He says, because in the end, he goes, when it's all said and done, when the liquor has left their system and they're sober, he says, they're going to remember that. They're going to say, hey, you know what? I was, I was mean to this cop, but yet he was so nice to me. And I've had plenty of times over and over again where I've had someone be like that towards me and I've still treated them nice. And then at the end of it, when they've sobered up and I've seen them, they say, hey, Lawrence, I'm sorry. Sorry for what I said to you. I didn't mean that. I was just really upset about things. Hey, it's not personal, you know. It's not like you're, you know, you're upset. It's not like you got drunk to be mad at me, right? You know, uh, but you know, for going back to the subject of how broad is, how broad is the police brutality? Well, I, I think it's worldwide. I, I think it happens everywhere, mm-hmm. you know. But how much of it, how much of it happens, you know? Well, I mean, how much have you seen? I mean, maybe this is asking. How much have I seen? Maybe it? I'm out of bounds in that question. How much like, have I seen? Have you what? seen it? Have you seen it? Like the brutality. You know what? Police brutality. You know what? To tell you the truth, I, I've. I'm glad I've never seen it. But if I did, I would speak up. Yeah. Like I'm not afraid. Like I've I've seen members. Um, do things that they shouldn't have. Like you know, um, not not illegal stuff. Just maybe the way they've handled a file. And I say, hey, you know what? You know, maybe you should do this because, you know, this this could happen. And, uh, you know, and then sometimes they're like, no, no, I'm just going to I don't I don't want to do any more on this file. So what do I do? I go to my supervisor and I say, hey, look, this is what I see wrong in this file here. They're trying to close off the file. I don't think it should be done that way. Okay. You know, um, and the supervisor will say, OK, thank you for bringing that to my attention. And then he'll speak to them about it. You know, I so I'm, so I'm to me. What you're describing uh, sounds oddly uh, human. <laughs> like, you know, in terms of human nature, in any profession, you're going to have a certain percentage of people that will try to, you know, cut corners, make shortcuts. Uh, I guess the challenge with within policing is that some of the, the implications of it, is it can be huge, you know. Um, but to me, it sounds like you're, you're describing, you know, human nature. People cut corners, and yeah. people make mistakes. 
And like I always say, you know, as 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 long as you're human, it doesn't matter where you work. There's always going to be errors. There's always going to be someone that does something wrong. I mean, uh, it, it doesn't matter what agency you work for, whether you're a police officer, whether you're a doctor or a teacher, um, you know, whether you're some sort of a coach in something, you know, like you hear stories of, you know, teachers doing wrong with students. You hear you hear stories of doctors doing something wrong to patients, you know, um, and uh, it, I mean, it's. I always say, you know, it's, it's, as long as man has fallen, you know, and mm-hmm. there's no crisis, their savior, mm-hmm. they're always going to come to an error in their life at some point. I think the thing about um, uh, our faith is, um, you know, and, and it's always so challenging to know where to apply it, but it's the idea of viewing people through the eyes of grace and like not this girl, Grace, but grace, you know, mm-hmm. like saying, all right. Uh, trying to have a, a sense that um, of empathy for somebody's situation. As you're describing when you're doing those arrests, you're going like, when you're seeing somebody intoxicated, there's, this is somebody not at their best, right? And you know this isn't the person. This is the person at their worst. So, um, you know, uh, I wrestle with, um, you know, we see in, in terms of the narrative now around policing, um, where there's brutality it should be addressed but how much grace do we extend for people that are doing just an incredibly difficult job under duress uh when you do and when you do a warrant or you walk in a door you don't know what you're going to be facing i suppose and and i just wonder how much grace do we extend for for errors in policing when things like this happen what's your thought on that lawrence i think that if it's 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 kind of for me, you know, um, f- from my perspective of what I do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not doing it because I want to make I know I, I want to make the image of policing look good. I'm not doing it just for that sake. Uh, uh, for me, when when what I do and uh, what I, my hope is that other police officers would do is that they do it because they love it because they love the community because they love people and that you know they're not there to judge them you know for their condition and uh if people see that and begin to realize that you know that we're doing it because we're doing it to protect them to keep them from doing harm to themselves and when they realize that and when they, when they see that they're being treated as a human being and not as some drunk or or or, or a drug addict you know, when they see that, maybe, maybe that'll change their mind. But, you know, as long as the media is out there portraying police officers, throwing it out there in the headline, defund police, defund police. And if they keep putting that out there, you know, I, 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 I think that what we have to do is that we have to start realizing that if, if a certain news channel is going to be going against police and focusing on police brutality, we, I mean, when when's the last time, and I'll, I'll put it out there, when's the last time CNN has ever showed a police officer hugging a kid, or kids, or a police officer, or, uh, you know, playing with kids? You know, when I when I when I see CNN, that's all I ever see, and it 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 it, it hurts me, because as a police officer, here I am, you know, uh, going out there. And people are, are saying, hey, you know what? Uh, I've been watching the news. I've seen this on Facebook. I've seen this yeah. on Instagram, you know, about these police officers beating up this person. And, and, and people I mean, ask. that's a good story, right? We get clicks on that. We do. If we put that story out, we're going to get lots of views on that. Yeah, you know, I mean, but when's the last time we, you've ever seen that being shared? When's the last time a news media has ever 
you know, showed you a video of a police officer just playing a, a, a game with kids, you know, ball hockey, basketball. Yeah. You know, when when's the last time you've ever seen that happen? Well, nobody wants to see good The only things. time you ever see videos like that is when police agencies show their own videos of their own members, you know, yeah. doing something with kids. We had a very interesting meeting in fall of 2019, just this last fall. Um, we had the spate of violence uh, ending with a three-year-old who was murdered while he slept. It's just a terrible story. Uh, three in a period of a few short weeks. And uh, and uh, so the community, we had a meeting. And uh, and our chief of police was there, which was good. Um, and it's very interesting, right? Because I, I, I'm... Um, there, there's the set of ideas that motivates the defund the police um, sort of position. Where does it come from, right? I'm, I'm asking myself, where does these views come from? So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, well, in the North End, where policing is critical and crucial, um, is that where it comes from? So, so anyhow, this meeting was very interesting. I went into the meeting. It's been 35 years of uh, you know, my work here in the community, and I've seen a lot, a lot. And I, I told my assistant when I went to that meeting, I said, I'm going to try for one hour of this meeting. But if it's going to turn dark, I can't take it. It's too personal. And it's just too, it's too much, right? And, uh, and what came out from the community was a support for the police. If anything, there was talk about, uh, you know, improving response times because uh, there's, there's just lots of, you know, like often we have a situation with call and it can take a long time to get a response just because there's just so, so much going on in the North End, right? And, but repeatedly, and, and I was taking detailed notes in that meeting, repeatedly it was said, uh, the police cannot solve these problems. This is something that has to happen. It has to come from the community. We have to initiate. We have to take ownership. And it was multiples. And so I was expecting to to hear the community berating the police and, and browbeating police, and they didn't do that. And so um, to me, I wonder if these ideas are actually coming from communities that have a need for policing. I mean, it's uh, something to think about, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, everyone has their point of view on how they want things done. You know, um, I mean, defund police, I, I, I hear it all the time. I see it on social media. Um, and, you know, people, they... I often wonder, though, you know, like, really, like, you have... If you, if you take a look at the protests in the U.S., I mean, there are some people that, you know, they're there to protest to say, hey, look, we need to make changes to, you know, how how the police are handling stuff because there is police brutality. And, I you know, they do have a legitimate reason for protesting. Mm-hmm. But then you get people that join the protests and what are their reasons for being there? Yeah. Do they just, have they always hated police officers? And sometimes I wonder, the people that cried to fund police I know, are they the ones who always get into trouble with the police and now this is their opportunity to to uh, to try and get rid of the ones who hold them responsible for their own actions. Sometimes I wonder about that, you know. Yeah. Well, there's so many so much potential to co-opt what could be a good thing because who in their right mind would say, "Hey, let's perpetuate uh, police brutality. Let's keep it going." No one agrees with that. 
So you put forward an idea about addressing issues of brutality and people can jump onto that message. You know, bad actors, I guess in the U.S. there's allegations of Antifa, uh, jumps in on that. And, and there's, so there's a different set of ideas that are, that are, are being put forward there uh, than, than the actual, you know, the, the, the true message of where brutality exists. Let's deal with it. Uh, let's not see it everywhere. It's not, not every cop is bad. I mean, I've met you today, Lawrence, and, and our, can I, I can tell your heart is good. And, and, uh, and I'm hearing you say that uh, you have a lot of colleagues that have the good of the community in mind as well. Am I, am I catching that right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I have a lot of friends within the RCMP, you know, and they've had their experiences. They all have their own uh, experiences in life. Um, like I said, it's when it comes to police brutality and, and defunding police, you know, I often wonder like, well, hey, look, are, are you defunding police because of one thing that you've seen and now you've blown it up and, you know, yeah. want to make it bigger than it should be? Um, I think, you know, whenever, you know, there are things that I've seen on the Internet that I don't agree with that police officers have done to people. You know, I'm a human being, you know, you know, it, it bothers me. I'm a dad. Mm-hmm. It bothers me, you know, for sure. Yeah, you know, but I mean, in the end, um, you know, I think police officers, we, we always, we, you know, everyone has their own moral code. You know, everyone was raised in their own home. Uh, everyone has their own background. Uh, and when they become a police officer, they, they bring that with them. So how they were raised is one thing and how they respond to things is, is another thing. You know, the RCP, you know, they have their guidelines say, okay, this is, this is the policy. This is how we handle stuff. But I mean, when you're exposed to trauma over and over again, it does start to affect you at work. And when you go to calls time and time again, and people expect you to be a robot to not show any emotions Mm-hmm. At times, you know, you do become upset at a call because you've seen it over and over again and it bothers you, right. you know. For me, I've been exposed to trauma plenty of times. You know, I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, you know. I mean, I've... I've how could you not? I mean, <laughs> how could you not end up with that? You know, I've seen death, you know. I've I've, I've, I've dealt with death. I've, I've dealt with, you know, the death of, um, you know... Um, three-month-old baby you know i've done a a 60 year old who uh a six year old grandmother who just passed away in the truck with her husband she was there with her grandkids you know and i have you know i've i've seen plenty of stuff i've stuff you'll never unsee you know i've 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 been to accidents you know where someone's died you know and uh you know stuff like that it, it it does get to us as because we're human beings we're not robots and people you know they they don't realize the things that we go through as police officers. And sometimes, you know, police officers, they may, if they're at a call and they get a little snappy with them, you know, well, maybe maybe they're going through something too, you know. Yeah, they expect us to be professional, but don't expect us to be robots. Right. You know. I uh, So full disclosure, I'll tell you my journey uh, just a little bit. Uh, probably around... 13 years ago, I wrote an article on police brutality, and uh, and I was of the mindset, um, 
so I'd heard stories from youth in our community, and uh, and so I had this sort of wide sweeping idea that that police you should be wary. And uh, this interview is turning. Hey, <laughs> Lawrence, no, and uh, and so this article, you know, we took hits for the article. It just told a story about one incident, right? And so, so, but again, to the point of idealism, right? So I was running into stories that were that were ex- sort of extreme circumstances. And my views were being developed because I didn't know, I wasn't getting to know cops. I wasn't getting to know what's, what's actually, going, well, how difficult it is. And since then, I would say I've, I've, I've changed. Um, I think when you're, you, you can have an idealism about policing as perfection. And if you have that idea, if you can't see the humanity that these are individuals that had a calling, that had a vision, that wanted to do something, make a difference in the world. Um, if you if you expect perfection, you'll be disappointed, which is true for every sector, as you mentioned, whether it's medical, whether you're a doctor, a teacher, whatever whatever field. And and as I've been getting older, and as I've been listening to the community, there is a respect in general that I hear in the community for what policing does. And um, so I've moved, I've shifted, and uh, and it's again it's through relationships, and the community foot patrol season when that was happening, and we were, we had a relationship with the local cops. We knew, I could I could tell what their intent was. They had good they had good intentions, and so I just think it's one of the reasons I wanted to have you have you on the on this little little podcast is to is to uh, hear the heart of somebody that's actually doing it. Because I think we need to take a collective deep breath as a society and to just slow down in terms of our the way we the way we view um, the issue of policing, because we're we're using extreme terms, which is ridiculous. Defunding the police. I mean, I'm all for again addressing issues of where there is brutality, um, training. I'm sure no one's you know opposed to deeper training. But this radical view of of it's just all bad, and we got to deconstruct it. I've uh, I've made shifts. I've <laughs> made shifts. I see now that uh, that policing has a critical role, and it's policing. You know, as you as you've described it, Lawrence, it's uh, uh, it's policing with a heart, and and uh, that's what you're. When I hear how you do your work, I see that you bring your heart to it. I see that you bring compassion to it. And uh, and there's there's one you know there's one when dealing with police brutality is one sort of approach, but I think in terms of the prevention, what my my thought is I don't know what you think of this, but if at the front end we could discern um, kind of where people are coming from, recruits that are getting in, that they have that kind of alignment where where it's uh, that heart for people and that heart for making a difference and that. Uh, and, and that they're wired to to actually care, and uh, so you know, affirm what you do, and uh, and I appreciate uh, appreciate your inputs. Any any sort of message to the world? If you had, if Lawrence was like going to change the world, I'm going to give you 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 can get your message to the world. What would you like to say right now 
to everybody out there as it relates to policing. Go. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing is, um, don't do crime. Okay. <laughs> if you don't want to deal with us, uh, you know, as police officers, don't do crime. Don't, don't break any laws. Uh, of course, it's always going to be out there. But the thing is, um, for me, I always say, love your neighbor as yourself and uh, forgive. You're not the only one who says that. <laughs> yeah. Forgive. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, it's, it's always, you know, treat everyone with, with respect, regardless of who they are. Um, and, uh, you know, just, you know, learn to be understanding. You know, for me as a police officer, whenever there's family issues, I always want to hear both sides of the family problems to get a better understanding. Mm-hmm. And uh, that way, there's not always that one-sided view of the family, you know. And that's the same thing with policing. If you want to understand police, get both sides of the story, you know. That way, you're not just shouting defund police. You know, you, you, you want to know how police officers are? Sit down and talk with them, you know. If you see them, say, hey, look, um, can I buy you a cup of coffee? I, I've, I've gone through a drive through and uh, there was a city cop ahead of me and uh, I went to pick up my order and they said oh that cop paid for your order oh wow he doesn't even know who I am and he paid for my order how nice is that you know I did that too I've done that where I've when I was working in Stonewall and I stopped at Tim Hortons here on Inkster yeah. and uh, it was like 7 o'clock in the morning I'm, I'm heading to my shift and I go and buy uh, buy her coffee I see this lady behind me so she orders her breakfast and I buy her coffee and I just I'm gone and then I get stuck at the red light. I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, should I turn on my emergency lights? I'm like, oh, I'll just park here. She pulls up behind me. And she's like, thank you. Thank you. And she's blowing kisses at me. I'm like, oh, I'm like, you're welcome. You're welcome. You know? and I don't think she ever had a cop do that for her. You know, yeah. but I've yeah. always like for my, my wife and I, we do that at times where if we go through drive through, whether I'm working or not, I'll, I'll buy people's uh, order. They don't even know who we are. You know, I don't, I don't want them to know who we are. Like, I don't do it for, you know, uh, to be noticed, anything like that. You know, there, there, there are things I do at work that people don't even realize. You know, during the um, during the lockdown with the communities, you know, only uh, reserve members were allowed in. But, of course, police officers can go in, EMS. And uh, one of my uh, my brother uh, said, hey, uh, on his uh, on his on his uh, mom's side there, he said, uh, my grandfather is running low on toilet paper and he's by himself. Uh, OK, so I I bought him toilet paper from the store. And I went in, I went to his house and I said, hey, I said, Norman told me to buy this for you. Oh, thank you. He's so happy with the toilet yeah. paper. You know, I, I never told anybody this story. I never posted on social media. I don't do stuff like that for to be noticed. Like, it's not for recognition. I don't do it for that. I just do it because it makes people happy, you know. And that's the thing that, that would be my message to people is when you do something, do it because it makes you happy, because it makes people happy. Don't do it so that you can be recognized. You know, give to people, give and, and support stuff like this. You know, I'm sure that what you guys do in the community is noticed, but I, I don't think you're doing it out there to be noticed, to be recognized, to say, hey, I'm the one who's doing this. You know, this is my responsibility. You know, you do it because it makes you happy to see other people happy. And that would be my message, you know, Thank you. have the, have that same have that same thing, you know, like yeah. Jesus, when he said, you know, you know, to serve that you know that that's that's that was the whole message of him was to serve you know when he washes when he washed their feet you know they thought oh they, they they're the ones who would be washing him but yet jesus the son of god washed their feet their savior washed their feet 
you know and and that's the whole point of of uh i think the message is you know uh, is just giving because it it's it's better for them you know yeah and it's never to be recognized it's never to have that position you know and for me when i do something it's it's not i don't want to be noticed i don't want i don't want people to put my picture out there and to say you know hey uh you know look look what lawrence did you know i've 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 done i've done things for families you know like there was um there was a call I, I was i was working a day shift by myself and this uh this mom called the office and she says i'm not sure if this is a police problem and she broke it down for me she says uh my son uh you know has uh has a disorder uh i think she says he's autistic he's got some sort of autistic disorder and uh she says he gets really angry i said how old is he he's uh seven years old no eight eight years old and i said okay i said what's what's going on with him she goes well he's just really angry and uh, when he gets angry it's hard for us to calm him down Mm -hmm. and she goes i don't know if that's really a police matter and i said well no no i'll come down i said i'll I'll talk with him okay so i go to their house and he's he's by the tree in in their yard and uh he's standing there alone and i talk with mom and dad and and they say yeah um you know he's pretty upset um you know he uh he got mad at us okay well let me let me talk with him you know what i did i went down on one knee and i went close to him and we just hit it off me and that little boy and uh and we just talked for like maybe 20 minutes you know and uh I knew when to get up because my knee was getting sore. <laughs> but, you know, I sat with him. At the end of our conversation... I can't help but see the the parallels. You know, people have been going down to one knee these yeah. days, right? Yeah. And kind of that act of service there. It's yeah. It's a very different picture. Yeah. You know Lawrence. what? You know what? That little boy, he came and he hugged me, and I hugged him. And, uh, you know, the father in me came out because I, I, I wanted to see more of my heart than the uniform. And uh, I hugged him, and... And I said, hey, tell you what, buddy. I said, I'll come see you in school, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you some stickers. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was really happy. And he ran off to his mom, and I said, you know what, just say sorry to your mom and dad. Tell them you love them. Okay. Next thing you know, I see him run across the field to his mom and dad, and he just hugs them. And uh, the mom and dad, they come to me, and they said, thank you. Thank you for talking with him. I said, no problem. I said, I said that's what I'm here for. I understand. Yeah. You know. Well, Lawrence... Uh Thank you for your work. Thank you for what you do in your community and for taking the time to talk with us. And, uh, you know, um, these days in, in kind of the sort of the darker season that we're in, around policing especially, it's good to, uh, to see, uh, see the good. Yeah. And I thank you for your work on that. Well, thank you for inviting me. Thank you. So that was Lawrence Latander. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I thought the thing about Lawrence is that he he's honest. He doesn't shrink from the fact that uh, there's problems on police forces, right? That's right. Yeah, he's very honest. And, and he tells the story really well, too. It's just a personable, nice guy. At some point, if we really get crazy... I'm going to do a podcast where I have Lawrence Latander talking to Ronald Travers, who you've heard in previous podcasts. Lawrence grew up in the, uh, uh, Ronald was in the Indian Posse, and he was on the wrong side of the cops. Lots in lots his of life. Times. Lots of times. Lots of times. And he's, it's always fascinating to, hear, to ask him direct. So what do you think? Mm-hmm. You know, police, uh, good, bad. And if there's anyone who doesn't see it in those terms, it's Ronald. Yeah. Because he says, yeah, well... 
they did lots of things that you know cops shouldn't have done but i was doing all kinds of things that i shouldn't have been doing i shouldn't have been doing and uh we were putting them in some really really desperate situations undeniably though he has stories where there was stuff that happened that shouldn't have happened Mm -hmm. and lawrence refers a little bit to some of that and says you know what that's not the standard no yeah he he really does kind of dive into those details but i think what i really liked was him talking about that relational aspect of his work right like Mm -hmm. that there there is a trust in his community uh just from him being present and around there and being an open ear for people yeah and by being honest about uh and and open about who he is he creates uh community as much as he can absolutely within his community right Um, you wanted to say a little bit of something. Yeah, I'm uh, excited to announce we've got two guys behind the lens. Kind of summer students. Summer students. We have Mick and Everett uh, that we're excited to introduce to the team. They are going to be here uh, for the rest of the summer and, and uh, hopefully into the fall a little bit. And we're we're excited to introduce these guys. These are the guys who are going to be editing and putting together these videos and creating the sound and working with JJ here. Yep. Helping us with our gala. We're, this year, That's because right. of COVID, we can't do a gala the way that we usually do. Usually we have a big party, 300 people get together and yeah. there's entertainment. That's not going to happen in 2020. No. So we're inviting a bunch of our, our supporters to host kind of house party, invite your friends over, yeah. and we'll, uh, we'll have some media and some information that we'll send their way. And so You're little gonna, fundraisers. Yeah, you'll hear more and more about our little our little house car, house concert gala yep. endeavor. Um, maybe even if you're listening to this podcast and you want to host, get some friends together and watch the video entertainment that we put together. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll even get you a small band or something like yeah. that. Yeah, well, maybe we'll have a group come in looking at catering stuff too. There's lots of options. So instead there. of one big gala, we're going to have a whole bunch of little galas. But it'll be fun because you can more or less choose the food and the drink you want. You don't have to do the gala chicken the dried out chicken we're all too <laughs> used to and uh it's a way for you to invite some of your friends and talk about issues related to the north end and, and how you can support us 2020 man we have to do some shifting but it's going to be the most memorable gallop year ever. ever 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 thanks for listening and uh join us next week when we talk to the first nations indigenous warriors that was an interesting conversation um, and uh, yeah, you're don't gonna miss that. Don't miss that.